0: Welcome to Free Chapel Spartanburg with Pastor Javon Ruff. Let's join the service in progress. Let's get in this word this morning, Amen, 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 Amen. Praise God. I'm not going to digress for the sake of time this morning, um, but if you're here for the first time, and if you are, we welcome you, and I thank God that you're here, and um. But I want to fin- I I continue what I started um, a couple weeks ago when I began to talk about the game face of a believer in the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. How many of you enjoyed those other two that hope it really spoke to you and you, you got something from it? And I'm going to talk about another, the other face today in which that is of the eagle. And in Ezekiel chapter 1, if you have it, you can turn there. It's verses 4 through 10. I'm not going to stay there that long. I'm just going to highlight verse 10 real quickly so I can get where I need to get. It says, and for the likeness of their faces, each one had the face of the man, a face of a lion, a face of an ox, and the face of an eagle. And I'm going to talk about the eagle this morning. Amen? Amen? Amen. Father, I thank you for grace. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for open hearts to receive, open ears to hear, and help us not just to be hearers of your word only, but doers also. I thank you for strength to speak your word this morning. In Jesus' name. Thank you so much. The game face of the believer, the eagle. In Proverbs chapter 30, verses 18 through 19, the writer of the Proverbs said something that was very interesting. He spoke from a place of of being awestruck or just amazed at something that, that he talks about. He said there were some things that in God's creation that really grabbed his attention that he stood in awe of. It says in Proverbs 30, he said that there are three things that are too wonderful for me. Yes, four, which I don't understand. And he said the first one, I won't go into all of them, he said was the way of the eagle in the air. He said it was something about the eagle. When I look at this majestic animal that God created, this bird, it was something about it that was wonderful. And it just amazed me. It really grabbed my attention. It really, I I couldn't quite comprehend when I see this great eagle in the air. It just causes me to wonder and it causes great amazement to overcome me because of all that God did and invested in that particular creation of that bird. And understand that eagles are, eagles are uncommon birds depicted in the scriptures as pictures of a victorious life and as the believer you have to understand that we are victorious through Christ Jesus it is one thing to say it; it is one thing to sing it it is one thing to read it but it's another thing to believe it I want to declare this morning that if you are blood-bought and born again and that you are a child of God you are not walking to victory you are walking from victory Right now, you are victorious. Uh, Yeah, I said right now, you are victorious. With every problem, with every issue, with every struggle, with every challenge. If you are in Christ, you are victorious. Amen? Understand in Job chapter uh, 39, verses 27, I'm going there. It says, it is at your command that the eagle rises to the heights to make its nest. It lives on the cliffs and make its home on distant heights uh, and make its home, make its home on distance. The Rocky crag. verse 29 from there, it hunts its prey, keeping watch with piercing eyes. It's young gulp down blood where there's a carcass there. You will find it. Notice what it says about the Eagle. And I'm going to dive right into what I want to teach you about. It says, it, "It it at your command, that the eagle rises to heights to make its nest. It lives on the cliffs and make its home in a distant and rocky crag." I want to start right there because the first thing when you talk about the game face of the believer and understand this nature that he has, you gotta understand number one that the eagle understands that he has. An altitude advantage. Write that down: An altitude advantage. Eagles fly at high altitudes. You will never see an eagle normally flying low, flying close to the ground all the time, or in a normal routine, But most of the time, and majority of the time, you're going to see an eagle fly at high altitudes. There was a story of an army bomber that was flying over a fog-shrouded New York City. And uh, at about four uh, miles a minute, it crashed in the, into the 79th floor of the Empire State Building. Thirteen persons were killed, and in addition to the destruction of the airplane, there was property damage of about half a million dollars. And after an exhaustive inquiry into the cause of the crash, there was only one answer. The plane was flying too low. There were no adverse weather no malfunctioning of the plane, but the required altitude had not been maintained. In other words, because of this plane was flying low and, and not at the proper altitude that it was designed and should have been flying, the results were catastrophic in a crash. Why is that important? There's a nature and a visible but yet very definite line above which you'll never find a snake. Listen to this. Early settlers in America referred to this as a snake line. <clears throat> and often when they were uh, purchasing property, they would ask the seller whether or not the property, listen to this, was above the snake line. They knew that on the mountain was more, was more rocky, harder, hard to clear, hard to build on, and not as fertile as the land in the valley. But they also knew that in the valley was infested with rattlesnakes, adders, and copperheads. And many settlers chose to raise their families on the higher ground above the snake line rather than risk the snake bites for themselves and their families. That's a natural thing you can look it up. It's called the snake line. And above it, the serpents and the snakes don't exist. These settlers knew The importance that no matter how attractive, how good the valley may look and many benefits it could potentially offer, but there was one thing about the valley, it was filled with serpents and snakes and they would rather build their house above the snake line, maybe a little bit harder, maybe a little bit tougher at times, maybe a little bit even more expensive of a price to pay. But they understood I'd rather build my house above the snake line than settle in a valley and have to deal with the serpents. And I want to tell you, just as there is a line called the snake line in the natural, you need to understand that there's a snake line in the spirit. And the scripture has been very clear about it. And the one who, it wasn't the people of the time, it wasn't the settlers, but it was God Almighty who has determined and he has set a spiritual snake line. And what you have to understand as believers, that the low land of sin in the valley below the snake line is a place of spiritual poverty, weariness, exhaustion, and collapse. In the valley below the snake line, hopelessness, helplessness hurt pain struggle a life that is not worth living or a life that is not living to its full potential and if you're in or below the snake line I understand let me just say it like this all of us were born below the snake line it's only until you're born again that you come on somebody, that you become a new creation in Christ, and all things have passed away, and all things have become new. And as long as you stay below the snake line, you stay subject to the control of the serpent, and the ultimate end is death. There's physical death and there's spiritual death. But I got good news for you this morning. It's because we as believers have been exalted above the snake line. What do you mean, Javon? I'm going to read you some scripture and I'm going to teach. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, that when God worked in Christ his power and raised him from the dead and and sat him at his right hand in heavenly places, listen to this, he was far above all principality and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age but in the age to come, and he has put all things under his feet. Say, that's Jesus. Now watch this, and you keep reading to Ephesians chapter 1. Say, say that was Jesus. Now this is me. Ephesians chapter 2 said and you who he made live was dead in trespasses and sin we were below the snake line in which we once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience among whom we also conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind and were by nature children of wrath just as others that would have been been a sad story if it had stopped there. But this next verse and these next two words change everything. Verse four says this, but God, I need you to say that. Say, but God, God. say it one more time. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love, which he has loved us even when we were dead in trespasses of sin. Here it is. He has made us live together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Here it is. And raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to preach a little bit and teach a little bit because what that scripture just told you that you need to understand where your spiritual position is as a born again believer you are not in the lowlands in the valley of the serpents that is below the snake line but the scripture said that Jesus Christ has been exalted to the high place after the resurrection and he said he has put the Bible said God has put everything under his feet all principalities under his feet and then Paul did not stop when he got to Ephesians 2 and he said that That's what I did for Christ, but I'm going to show you what Christ did for you, because Christ just, oh God, I feel a preach. Christ did not just die for us, Christ died as us. Come on, somebody. And the Bible said when Jesus Christ was raised, we are raised with him. So guess what? If Jesus has been exalted to heavenly places, we are exalted to heavenly places. I know you are physically sitting on that seat, but spiritually you are seated with Christ Jesus in heavenly places. Why is that important? Because Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's the head of the body of Christ. If he's the head and you're the body and the Bible said that all things are under his feet, then where are all things according to your position? I just said a mouthful. Because if it's under his feet, it's under your feet. So all principality and power this morning is under your feet. Do not believe the height. Do not believe what the devil would try to make you and I think that he is greater, that he is stronger, that he is mightier. This morning, the devil is under your feet. Every, oh, come on. Am I in the right church morning, the devil is under your feet because you have been raised above the snake line. Come on, somebody. I don't live in the low lands of sin. I don't live in the place where the enemy would love to take my life and tear my life apart. And this is where we have to get as the believer because it bothers me all the time when I hear people, I know the devil is real. I'm not minimizing the enemy at all, but he's real defeated. Let me just say that. Let me go ahead and throw that in there. But it bothers me when we why the devil, 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 the devil. I need you to go back and read Ephesians 2. And this is what you tell the devil that you are under my feet. You're not over my head. You are under my feet. You're under the feet of my children. You're under the feet of my marriage. You're undefeated. Oh, come on, somebody. Under the feet of my health, under the feet of my body, under the feet of my business, under the feet of my career. You are under my feet. You have only place that the devil has is the place that you give him. Let me tell you. There's a better strategy than the strategy strategy of struggle. One of our famous, uh, there was a famous airman near the close of World War I and he landed his craft at Kabar, Arabia. Here, a large rat, listen to this, managed to get into his airplane. The airman became aware of its presence when in midair, he heard the sound of gnawing behind him. Alarmed by the threat of the disaster, he remembered that rats cannot live in high altitude. Accordingly, he nosed his plane upward until breathing was difficult. And when at length he descended to a lower level, the gnawing had ceased. And upon landing, he found the rat dead as dead can be. What am I trying to say to you? Do you got any gnawing rats? Do you have any rats that's gnawing at you? Do you have any doubt that's gnawing at you, gnawing at you, any unbelief, any temptations that's gnawing at you, any struggles that keeps trying to gnaw at you, anything that's trying to eat on you and tear you down? Well, you don't have to struggle. There's a better strategy to struggle. You've got to turn your nose upward toward Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody, and fight the battle on the right plane. Now, I'm going to preach because this is where we got to get. Too many times we got to understand, we hear these things. Do do we really understand that we are not wrestling against flesh and blood? We are wrestling, we are fighting against spiritual wickedness, principalities, rulers of darkness, and spiritual places. Are you hearing me this morning? Because the thing that you got to understand, this is not a flesh battle. This is a spirit battle. And you've been given the proper weapons to fight the enemy. You have the blood of Jesus. You have the word of God. You have the spirit of God. You have praise. You have worship. You have your church. You have your dance. You have your shout. You have Uh, you have the fasting, you have prayer, and the thing that we got to remember is we got a battle in the right place. Too many of us are trying to fight the devil in the flesh. You will lose every single time. You can do more on the floor. You can do more on your knees. Your authority is not in the flesh. Your authority is in the spirit. Remember that you live above the snake line. Mmm. Understand, the second thing, the eagle, when you look at him, is its careful construction when it comes to the nest. It says, at your command, the eagle rises to the height and and to make its nest. Notice that. He rises to the heights to make its nest. What do you mean? That when the eagle starts building its nest, the way they construct it, the way that they use different logs and twigs and and how they go about different places of getting certain kind is very strategic. They don't just do it any kind of way. They naturally take as many sticks as they can and and find close to the nest, but sometimes the eagles have seen, listen to this, to lug one log or branch over a mile to build its nest. In other words, it's willing to make whatever sacrifice it needs to make. To secure its home. Even if it's tough. Even if they have to go out of their way. Because the eagle understands that the construction of the nest or the home is important. Listen to this. The core of the nest is supported by huge limbs. And the outer edge of the nest are then lined with soft leaves and vines that are actually woven together by the eagles before laying eggs. They literally weave them together. And the leaves cover the rough sticks that would puncture the soft fur of the eaglets. Looking at the eagle's nest, it's hard to understand why the eggs don't get cracked or the babies don't get poked by the sharp sticks. But it's because of the way, listen to this, they have constructed not just the inside of the house, but also the outside of the house, but also the inside of the house. Two things that watch this the eagle secure about the nest is foundation and it's insulation because an eagle understands that a house is only as strong as its foundation and Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 7 he said how is your house being built he said is your house being built on sand or is it being built on the solid rock because here's the reality storms are going to come to every household Storms are going to come to every family, but the scripture said, it's not whether or not the storms come, it's whether or not you're ready when they do come because you can't build in the rain. It's what you have to do before the rain. And Jesus said that a house that is built on a solid foundation, those that just don't come to church, but those that hear my word and do my word, that no matter what storms come, you would be able to weather the storm. The eagle understands that the foundation of my marriage, the foundation of my home, the foundation of my children, the foundation of the church has to be solidified on God and his word. Trying to build it on anything else is nothing but sinking sand. It has to be founded on God and his word. Notice this right here. The second thing, what I love about it, it says the eagles, they bring greenery in the nest throughout the spring and summer. And they begin to weave it on the inside of the nest. And it's for insulation. You know why that's important? Because the eagle understands that the inside of the nest It's just as important as the outside. The eagle teaches us. It's not enough just to look good on the outside. You got to look good on the inside. The eagle understands that it's just the 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 house is only as strong as how clean it is on the inside. And the eagle, I'm going to preach right here because it's possible for the nest to look good on the outside and everything to be tore up on the inside. In 2 Kings, I, look, I want you to see this, though, put it up. In 2 Kings 2.19, the, there was the men that came to the, city, to the city. It was Jericho, and they said to Elijah, watch this. Please notice the situation of the city. is pleasant as my Lord sees. Watch this. It looks good, doesn't it? The city looks pleasant, doesn't it? That family looks good, doesn't it? That individual looks great, doesn't it? And he said, but the water is bad. And the ground is barren. Let me give you some context. It was talking about Jericho. And if you studied it, it looked like a golf course community during that time. The yards were green. Everything was manicured. Everything looked great. It was amazing. Had an awesome image. But underneath the city, it was barren. Underneath It had stuff going on. The water was contaminated. And what I'm trying to get you to see is it's possible to live life only trying to live for an outward image. But yet there's contamination and things underneath that's going on. Watch this. Causing you to be barren and not be able to allow the spirit of God to produce the fruit of the spirit in our lives. Because, see, you got to understand, the Bible said one of the things that would mark the last day is this, that there would come a people who would not have authentic relationships with Jesus Christ and who would settle, watch this, for a form of godliness, but deny its power, which means deny its power to change them from the inside out It's quiet in this church this morning but my heart is heavy because I don't want to personally just have a form. I don't want us as a church to have a form. I don't want any of God's people to have a form, but a form is easy. A look is easy, and I'm sorry just like there's all kind of cosmetic upgrades in the world I'm sorry, but cosmetic Christianity has come into the church where all we want to do is put lipstick on the pig, come on paint it up, dress it up, make it look like everything's good but in the reality some of our lives are like Jericho we keep coming to church and going through the motions but in real in reality we got some mm, stuff going on and we need to be honest we need to be open we need to be transparent and let God bring the healing waters to our soul and our spirit so that we can be the fruit come on the fruitful families and people that God has called us to be. It ain't popular, but it's true. Listen to me. You have to understand that scientists, watch this, have have looked deeper into this house building, this net building, and this nest building. And they said, why do they actually do a lot of that? (laughs) They actually come up with two things they serve, the leaves that they use often serve as an insect repellent. In other words, they said, when I take care of the inside, it will serve as a repellent from the insects trying to get in from the outside. What am I trying to tell you? Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. If you get the inside taken care of, you'll have the power and the ability to resist the things on the outside that try to get in. The other thing that it says was this, that it often provides a bit of camouflage. In other words, when the little eaglets are inside of that home and where the eagle, mother eagle, has built that nest, and when they're on the inside, it can provide a bit of camouflage. Camouflage. And what happens is that when watch this when I can the whole goal is for allowing Christ to conform me or the Spirit of God to the image of God's Son that I'm not camel that I'm not something that 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 looks out of place but I am going allowing the Spirit of God to mold me and shape me and form me so that I look more like Him I look like the one that has created me that is our goal as believers and Christians are you hearing me this morning the next thing is this the eagle understands the game face of an eagle understands that it's supposed to soar and not strive Mm. an eagle spends very little time flapping his wings only normally to take off and only when it comes to landing but the majority of the time That the eagle is in flight. Watch this. It's carried by the wind. It understands that it's not in my ability to flap my wings. But it's in my surrendering to yield to the wind. Because when I yield to the wind, I realize there's a power that's greater than anything I got anyway. Let me just go ahead and preach it a little bit, because when you talk about the wind, I'm talking about, and there, Acts chapter 2, verse 2, and there came a, a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. That wind represents the Holy Spirit. That wind represents the presence of God, and what that eagle knows, he goes, I can I can spend all my time trying to flap and be a father, trying to flap and be a mother, trying to flap and raise the kids, trying to flap in my own strength and do the business, trying to flap and, and fulfill the career, but it's a matter of time that you're going to get run out of strength and run out of grace and run out, not grace, but patience and all that flapping, because here's the thing about it. As as an eagle, I wrote it down like this. We don't have to strive in the futility of the flesh. Instead, we have been called to soar in the strength of the Spirit. It's not by our power nor by our might, but it's by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Come on, somebody. We need the Holy Spirit. We have to have the Holy Spirit. We need to acknowledge Him and yield to Him and help Him. Come on, somebody. We need the wind of the Spirit of God. If we ever needed Him, we need Him right now. I don't know about you. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. I want more. When I read in the word of what God does and what how God moves, and I don't see it, it bothers me. And I refuse to stay where I am. I need more. I need more wind in my life. I need more help of the Holy Ghost in my life. I need more of the Spirit of God. Oh, God. The wind... The wind, the wind, the wind will cause you to dwell places you've never gone before. The wind will enable you to do things that you've never done before. The scripture is very clear on how weak, mealy men were fragile and weak. But when the wind of the Holy Ghost came upon them, something stirred up on the inside. A new boldness, a new courage, a new, come on, desire and passion. I don't know about you, but I need a fresh wind in my life to carry me through. Does anybody need the wind of the Holy Spirit this morning? I wrote down, it's the wind that makes the difference. Your talent don't make the difference. Your gift don't make the difference. Your expertise don't make the difference. Uh, Our programs don't make the difference. Our plans doesn't make the difference. Uh, It's the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God that makes the difference. Mm. Jesus. The zoologists tell us I can't get off of that. Our children need the wind. Our children will have the wind. Because we got a promise filled with the wind. They're not gonna be the scripture said what it said being blown by every wind of doctrine. But, oh, God, if we get our kids and our children filled with the Holy Ghost, there's a wind that's stronger than, oh, my God, there's a wind that's stronger, come on, somebody, than the wind of the culture that wants to blow them in ways. I'm telling you, there's a wind for that wind. Mm. Calm down. Zoologist tells us that 40%, I'm almost there tells us that 40% of all eagles will die before reaching maturity. For what reason? You know why? Number one, they leave the nest without parental protection. It represents getting ahead of God. They, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, They are sons and daughters of God or maturity. One sign of mature Christianity is the ability to be yielded and led by the Spirit. But he said eagles will die 40% when they decide to get out in front of their authority and don't follow the authority in their life. The authority is God for the believer. The authority is the word of God for the believer. And when you get outside, all the ways of a man seem right in his own eyes, but God weighs the Spirit. There is a way that seemed right to man, but the end thereof are many ways of destruction. We have to be led by the Spirit, guided by the Spirit, helped by the Spirit. Don't get ahead of God. Getting ahead of God, you can lose your head. Yep, that too. Listen to me. But secondly, trying to, the second thing, here it is, you ready? What happens to eagles while they die? <laughs> they try to fly like other birds, flapping their wings, getting tired, and not properly using the wind. In other words, when the eagle tries to be like other birds, when the eagle tries to be something that God never created it to be, when the eagles tries to mimic other things and other people, you have to understand that God created you uniquely. You are a unique person, fearfully and wonderfully made, trying to be like anything or anybody else. You'll only be second best. Trying to be anything other than what God created you, it created you to be is an insult to God because basically you're telling him he messed up when he made you. The Bible said, He that compares himself among himself is unwise. Listen, if you go comparison shopping, you're going to end up with buyer's remorse. I just said something. Let me jump over here. Husbands, don't compare your wives to other women. Wives, Come on, we're eagles. You don't compare your husband to other men. I knew I wasn't going to get an amen there. <sighs> One man said to his wife, he said, Honey, look at that couple over there. They look like they're having a good time, and they're just, their life is just all made up and that great. And look at them. They got it going on. And the wife looked at him and said, I hope they're not thinking the same thing about us. But here's my point. As eagles, we don't compare. And one of the things that will crush a marriage, I don't know why I'm on this, a marriage relationship is comparison. Your husband wasn't meant to be Billy Bob, whoever he is. And your wife wasn't meant to be Sally Sue. Your wife and your husband will be the people that God created them to be for you and you only. Come on, somebody. Oh, I know. I know. I ain't going to get it right there. Last one right here. Until next week. Can I give you some more next week? You're going to get it anyway. Fortified focus. Fortified focus. Listen to this. There is a way. Oh, let me just say this. The Bible said from the eagle, it said it hunts its prey. Listen to these words. Keeping watch with piercing eyes. Proverbs 29, 18 says where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. I love that one. They're unrestrained. They cast off restraint. And what's interesting is this whole Bible or this whole book, Ezekiel, it starts out, a lot of them is visions. Visions of future. Visions of things that will happen. The ability to see things before they happen or to see things in the spirit that brings hope to those in the present of future things that will take place. And here's the thing that's important about that. Because another scripture said, where there is no vision, people perish. One writer said this is that the people, watch this, who will be great in the future are the ones who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Do you see the possibilities? Can you see the possibility of your children, of your family, of your life? One of the things I pray all the time is, Lord, give me the right vision. I don't need sight. I need vision. Sight sees the now. Vision can see what's coming. And we're living in a time more than old. We don't just need sight. Come on, somebody. We need vision. The Bible said that the sons of Issachar knew how to discern the times. We're living in some crazy times and you cannot just live by sight. We gotta have vision. Vision of discernment like never before. To see things beyond the surface because Satan is good as as an angel of light. But the Bible said that God can give us discernment that we can have eagle eyes to see things for what it really is. And that's not a scary thing. That's a good thing, because Jesus said these words. He said, "In the last days, he likened to the last days." He said, "If the goodman had kept his watch, when the thief come, he wouldn't have allowed his house to be broken up. Had he stayed on his watch." In other words, had he not, had he kept his discernment, had he kept his soberness, had he kept his vigilance, had he kept his ability to be sensitive in the spirit. And he said, because there's a good, the house was, would have never been suffered or broken up had the man kept his watch. And so I'm going to end on that today. Fortified Focus. Fortified focus. Because here's what's interesting. Did you know that the eagle's eyes weigh more than its brain? In other words, when God gives you a vision, it will always be bigger than what your mind can comprehend. When we stand to your feet this morning, stand up. Where you are now, I'm saying here literally, but in life, somebody saw this before it got here. It didn't get here and then it was seen. It was seen and then it came. That's vision. And God told this to Jeremiah. He said this. He said, young Jeremiah, he said, quit looking at yourself. He said, see this day, I made you a prophet. See this day, I've called you to tear down, to pluck up, and I've called you to plant. Don't look at how everybody else is seeing you, but I need you to see it. He was a young boy. He was a young guy, but he said, I need you to see not where you are, but where you're going. Abraham, I don't see how I'm going to have any children. I'm old. I'm done. He said, come outside. Come on under the roof of limitation and look up at the stars. Can you see them? So shall your seed be. Look at the sand on the shores. Can you see it? So shall your seed be. Joshua, he said it. He said, see, I've given you Jericho. And he's looking at Jericho. He didn't have it yet. But God said, I need you to see it. See yourself with it. And I'm here to declare, can you see yourself with it this morning? Can you see yourself with it? You need to see yourself with your joy again. You need to see yourself with your peace again. You need to see yourself. Come on, come on. You might have gone through hard times and gone through struggles, but can you see yourself better than where you are today? Because if you see it, you can seize it. You do not. Come on, somebody. I'm going to say it again. If you can see it, you can seize it. You got to begin to see yourself different. Do you see your marriage different? Do you see your children different? Do you see your spouse different? You got to be able to see it if you're going to seize it. So Father in the name of Jesus I thank you right now I thank you for fortified focus I thank you for an altitude advantage I thank you for the grace as a people Lord to have careful construction of our nest Because that comes from you because Psalms 127 says, unless the Lord build the house, they that labor, labor in vain. And Father, I thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, that we are a people and will be a people that not have a form, that not have an outward appearance. But Lord, like the eagle's nest, Lord, that there would be good on the inside, that we would yield to the work of the Holy Spirit to continue to mold and shape and cleanse and purge and strengthen that we can rightly represent you. And I give you praise today that we are living and have been called to reign and rule and are seated above the snake line. We are overcomers, we are victorious, and we are triumphant in Jesus' name. Every head bowed and every eye closed. No one leaving, no one moving. This only applies if you surrender to Jesus Christ. If you have not made him Lord of your life, you're living below the snake line. If you're not haven't surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, hear my heart. You're not saved, you're not on your way to heaven. There's heaven, there's hell, and all of us are going to end up in one, one, of the, one of the two places. It is no desire of the heart of God. God, let me just say this, God doesn't send anyone to hell. People choose to go to hell. People choose to enter into a Christless eternity. Because the Bible said, when you don't believe or receive His forgiveness, you've already judged yourself unworthy of salvation. To resist Him, you judged yourself as being unworthy of salvation. But that is not the heart of God. Hell was only created for the devil and his demons, Heaven was created for the redeemed. And I'm telling you, if you're in this morning, There's a place waiting on you. There's a seat waiting on you. It's got your, it's reserved for you. Jesus has already paid the price. He's already shed the blood and He's issuing access this morning. And say, Aren't you tired of living in the lowlands? Aren't you tired of having the enemy dominate your life? Aren't you tired of looking for love in the wrong places? Aren't you tired of hopelessness and miserableness and striving in your own ability, flapping your wings and seemingly getting nowhere? Come up above the snake line. I'm extending my hand to you this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're in this room and you would say, Javon, you're talking to me. It's time for me to leave the lowland. If you're backslidden, you're in the lowland. It's time to come home. It's time for me to quit living beneath God's covenant blessings for my life. I'm ready to live above the snake line. I'm ready to surrender completely to Jesus Christ. No more God games. No more church games. No more appearing like I got it together. I'm not going to be like Jericho. I need Jesus. I'm ready to surrender this morning. If that's you, I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I'm going to count to three and right where you're standing, if that's you, I want you to raise your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer and God's going to hear it. Are you ready? One, if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging at your heart. Two, if you know this word is for you. Three, raise your hand right where you're standing. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Raise it up high. Anyone, I see it. God bless you. Yes, yes, yes. Praise God. Anyone else? Anyone else unashamedly? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? God bless you, sir. Mm, So good. So good. Anybody else? But make sure I'm not missing anyone. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Is that a handbag? Yeah, it is. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Can't see. Anyone else? Oh, praise God. There's another one. God bless you. I can't see. Y'all got to help me. Y'all got to help me. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Every one of you that raised your hand. Now, I want to do something. I don't want us to be weird, but if someone besides you raised their hand, we're a family here at Free Chapel. Will you do something? Don't get crazy. Just gently lay your hand on their shoulder because we want to let them know that we support them, and we're going to pray this prayer with them. We're one big family. Just gently, don't be weird. Just gently as an act of support because many of you had to pray this prayer. If they raise their hand, just gently. Now, we're going, to, we're going to pray with them. Are you ready? All of you, let's pray this prayer, especially those that raise your hand. Say, Jesus... I surrender my life, forgive me of my sins, and wash me in your blood. I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you died and rose again. And I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. Right now, I'm a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. I have left, I have abandoned the lowlands beneath the snake line and I have been relocated to heavenly places with Christ Jesus victorious and triumphant in Jesus name Amen Amen and Amen now give the Lord a great big shout of praise for those that prayed that prayer for more information about this message or to join us at one of our live services at Free Chapel Spartanburg visit freechapel.org slash Spartanburg. Thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you soon at Free Chapel Spartanburg.